Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a very important topic today in podcast, getting back to the basics of the biblical worldview, what it is, why it matters, why we have we need to have that foundation to stand on with all that's coming against us and that's coming against the truth in our culture today, in our country, and even into our churches Um, it's crept in. So a lot of things to address today with my pastor. We'll get to Kevin in a minute. I want to read some scriptures from Psalm 27, starting with verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not turn me over to the desire of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen against me and the violent witness. I certainly believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Father in heaven, help us to be patient when we need to wait on you. And help us, God, not get ahead of you in our lives. And we need wisdom to do that. So we know that you promised to give us wisdom generously. So we ask for that today, just today. And we thank you for this 24 hours that we have, another day to live, to love you, to serve you, hopefully to be uh, salt and light in our sphere of influence. And we thank you and acknowledge that you are sovereign, that great is your faithfulness, and your mercies are new every morning. We pray in Jesus' name for those who are in our family, church family and family at home who are uh, sick and who are uh, in need of healing. God, I lift up my pastor to you that you continue the healing in his voice, in his body, and I thank you so much for his leadership and uh, just the time that he can come in here and just encourage us and admonish us from your word. And we thank you for the truth, that we know it, we can know it, and we have it right in our hands, Lord, in the Bible. We pray that we would live that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to open it up today, Pastor Kevin Minsky joins us. Uh, Christ the Rock Community Church is in Deep here, Wisconsin. It's a non-denominational church right next to Green Bay. And uh, I love the things that we are going through on Wednesday nights, the book of Daniel, and on Sunday morning, the Gospel of Mark. Pastor Kevin, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you, David, for having me back. Good morning. Good morning. This, this was uh, a tough one for me to decide on topic because of what's going on with the confusion and the lies, not only in our culture, Pastor Kevin, but in the church. Um, And I know we have a very well-taught congregation, praise God. Uh, But yet people are still bombarded by lies. Uh, The father of lies is running rampant today. And um, boy, people are being confused about simple things when it comes to God's word. So let's get back to the basics. Your... um, well, your encouragement was to get back to worldview and start there, and I think that's excellent, and that's really what we need because m- me personally, I know a lot of people that are feeling a little maybe fatigued, uh, maybe spiritually fatigued, maybe a little physically, but with all that we have going on around us, uh, we need to keep casting our cares, but we need to keep trusting the Lord. 
So what has God put on your heart for this moment today in our church, in our community, in our country? Well, for me personally, as a pastor of a small church, and we have around 300 members in the body here, but it it keeps coming back to these same cultural issues, and I've been in Christ now for just about 40 years, but no matter what we're talking about, it people want to have answers, you know, to things like abortion, for example. They want to know about uh, euthanasia, about racism, gender identity now, gay mm. marriage, all these issues. Our answers always come back to God's Word, mm. and that's where the real battlefield is. It's a matter of God's Word versus man's Word. That's where that battle's always been. And you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God pronounces the sin curse, not only on Adam and Eve, but on Satan himself, that's where God pronounced the spiritual warfare to begin. And really, that's one of the issues that the whole Bible is about. It's a description of this spiritual warfare. So ultimately, I always remind myself, my I don't have enemies that are members of different political parties than me. My enemies are not those in the LGBTQ community. My enemies are not anything natural. I have an enemy, and it's Satan. Now, he may use individuals and people to advance his kingdom and his causes, but... God does that as well. He uses us to advance his kingdom. So what you're saying is our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Exactly what the word <laughs> Ephesians says. Ephesians 6. Correct. <laughs> and, and it's dangerous to get caught up in that mm. mentality, first of all, yep. because then we really lose that burden for lost souls. And mm. that's all we're talking about here. We're people that still have a veil over their heart. So you go to Genesis chapter 3 again in verses 1 and 5. How does Satan attack originally? Did God really say? And it's the same playbook. It's that Genesis 3 attack that he still uses to this day. Now he calls the entire Bible into question. So Satan wants to tell us, you can decide what you want to do based on your feelings. But then, of course, Jeremiah 17:9 tells us that our heart is deceitfully wicked. We can't make our decisions based on our feelings because we'll always indulge the flesh. So we've got a battle going on. Call it a worldview. I, I call it a spiritual battle between God's word versus man's word. That's what it always comes down to. Paul picked up that same theme, by the way. 2 Corinthians 11.3, he said, But I fear, just as the serpent beguiled Eve in the garden. How mm. did he do it? By calling God's word into question. Mm. So just as the serpent beguiled Eve in his craftiness, that your minds also might be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of the gospel. We always got to keep coming back to the Word of God. That's why we teach the Word of God in this particular church at Christ the Rock to Pier, line by line, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's never going to change because that is our standard of all truth, justice, and righteousness. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about um, the, the importance of establishing, and for some people, maybe uh, they became believers and Maybe they got active in church um, and really did a lot of good things before they really studied and got some of those nuggets of truth, the foundation, you know, solidified maybe in their own faith. So um, what approach do we all need to take, I guess, maybe for most of us that um, maybe are trying to do good works, which is a natural result of authentic conversion, but maybe we've gotten away from Bible study and having that down and knowing how to respond to what's going on in the culture around us. Right. Uh, the Bible tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. It tells us that the word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's what convicts us of our sin. It is the word of God. It is that supernatural tool that the Holy Spirit uses 
to lead us to repentance, to bring us to Christ, to lead us into all righteousness, to, to carry out the progressive sanctification we need every day. The word is critical in our lives. It's no wonder so many people neglect it. That's Satan's ultimate plan. He doesn't want us searching out the word. Mm-hmm. But but in a general sense, David, to me, it's this attack on the word of God from within the churches that has led to such catastrophe in our current culture. You saw the same thing in Europe in the so-called age of enlightenment, right? Now, today in England, for example, and not to get all in a bunch of statistics, which bores everybody, but <laughs> 4% basically of people in, in England attend church, 4%. Now, that's a post-Christian society. The danger now is Generation Z, Generation Z in our culture today, 8% attend church. So we're really now in our last post-Christian culture in terms of mm. Uh, our young people, ages 18 to 25. Wow. And, you know, it's no wonder because what do we do? We we send them out um, all week long in the schools, and, and they get six, six and a half hours of teaching of evolution and, and millions of years and, and no morality. And then we're going to take them for one hour and tell them, quote, unquote, Bible stories at church, okay? Well, what do we think is going to happen once they leave home then? And all you have is that influence of the world. So... We've got, even in the church today, 27% of these Generation Z people identify as Christians, but they also identify as LGBTQ. Now, there's a disconnect here. (laughs) You cannot believe that the Word of God is authoritative and true and still believe that contradictory belief system. It Mm -hmm. it just You can't jive those two things. The scary thing is 29% of non-Christians claim to be LGBTQ. So think about that. What does it mean? that the same proportion Hmm. of young people identifies Hmm. LGBTQ, and it doesn't matter if they identify as Christian or non-Christian. Therefore, to me at least, the more we've tried to be culturally relevant in this society, the less spiritually relevant we are. That word has always bothered me. Relevant and and only only because I know it's it's good you know Paul said you know uh, I am all things to all people right or be all things to all people but I think the church has taken that a little too far in trying to draw the world into the church and you have to use secular means you have to use worldly means and that's when worship becomes entertainment and that's when church becomes something that kind of resembles the world in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't feelings. Most of us, yeah, it feels good. It must be true. Uh, I don't see that in the early church. I don't see that in the Book of Acts. I don't see that from any of the apostles, the disciples, Jesus followers. Um, and so we're in a tough time, Pastor Kevin, because there are a lot of people even that may come to our church here in town. They hear teaching. They they maybe haven't heard like that before, verse by verse. And you dig into Bible prophecy and you relate things to what's happening in our country and globally, and, and it's, it's, it's not what people are used to. They're used to something that makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. And right. that you said feelings. It's like, boy, I wish we weren't, you know, driven by emotions so much. Right. Emotions are obviously a great gift that God has given us, but it's like spiritual in spiritual life, the spirit of the prophet has to be subject to the prophet. In other words, you don't just let your emotions take control of you, do whatever you want. I do want to backtrack, though, on one thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds as though, and I've had this conversation with, <clears throat> with families in our church in particular, you know, the secular school system sounds like we're always railing against them. We have uh, educators in my congregation, in Jesus' congregation at Christ the Rock Church, who are teachers, and they work in the public school system, and they are doing their best to continue to try to lead 
young people to Christ. But it's interesting over the decades, first of all, it's they make it illegal for you to share your faith. Your yep. faith's personal, keep it out of the class. But now they want to share the faith of this atheistic religion. Yes. Which, you know, obviously they're torn. So they're trying to do a good job. Then we've got the young kids that are being sent to the public schools with godly Bible-believing parents or grandparents. They're trying to do their best, and there are some legitimately that don't have other options. They have to send their kids to these schools. Mm. Okay, so what do you do? That's why it's so important for us to be teaching apologetics even to our young people. You have to have a defense for the faith. You have to be able to answer the questions that come our way. My problem isn't as much with the public school system as it is with many churches. And mm. I listen to this program regularly. So I often hear <laughs> generalizations like pastors are not teaching this or pastors are doing this wrong. And I get a little twinge because not all. And I know, yeah, I know yeah. that's not meant, but I, I want to, don't want to make that same mistake with this public school system. My problem is with many pastors. Mm. Many churches today, the pastors literally do not believe in a literal seven days of creation. They do not even believe in a creation per se. They may believe in a gap theory. They may believe in theistic evolution. Uh, any number of false doctrines that have crept in since the 19th century. Because we don't want to appear as though we are quote-unquote unscientific. So they're teaching our young people in churches that you can believe in evolution and you can believe in millions of years and random chance but, hey, still, you need to trust in Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Why do I need to trust in Jesus? If none of this other stuff is true in Genesis, how do I know mm. that the gospel message is true? If you can't believe the first part of the Bible, how are you wow. going to trust any of it after that? So that's the yeah. subtle attack. Has God really said, come on, you can't believe in evolution. That's Or you can't believe in, in creationism. That's ridiculous. Well, we were talking before we got on the air, the natural progression of this kind of thinking where, you know, God is, the, the, the word is not true, it's not literal, um, and then you can remove God out of the way because anything about creation, that's how we've gotten to this point of delusion where people are saying, or young children are being affirmed to change their sex, thinking that they can do it, thinking that they mm -hmm. may be confused, maybe really thinking, and, and kids are confused when they're growing up, maybe because of their hormones or they're trying to figure out who they are uh but and when they're told well maybe you were born in the wrong body which is one of the messages in our culture lady gaga made it famous um this is the, one of the problems this is what we're seeing today we talked about now so you remove god and creation and male and female and forty-two thousand minors were diagnosed with gender dysphoria last year in 2021 that's tragic this is sad and suicide rates are, are off the charts. And so when you get away from the foundational truths and the literal creation, um, Pastor Kevin, is part of this, is part of the problem, the seminaries that are not f equipping pastors and church leaders adequately, are they, got, they've fallen away from inerrancy, I know, but maybe the truths of creation? Well, absolutely, and I think it's in every walk of life. Remember, our adversary is Satan. He's not just going to take uh, open up a one-front war. He's going to attack every major level of society. It's going to mm -hmm. be government. It's going to be the seminaries. It's going to be public schools. It's also going to be in the homes, mm -hmm. churches, of course. So all these different areas, if you can remove the Word of God, which is, again, the you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. There is a supernatural power behind God's written and spoken word because it is not from man, it's from God himself. 
So the attack is, you know, it comes in the form of, isn't the Bible today just an outdated book of mythology? You know, we can't really believe that, right? I mean, don't we live in a scientific age, David? So I love to ask people, yeah, we live in a scientific age, but what do you mean by that word science? Yes. Because that has gotten twisted and mm-hmm. used by by the enemy, frankly. So science, you know, the, from the Latin word sentia means knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we come to knowledge about something? We use the senses that God has given us. So you have observational science, but then you also have historical science. That's where we get into creationism versus evolution. That's historical science. There was nobody today who's alive teaching evolution who was there <laughs> when supposedly things evolved and there was a big bang. So they cannot say they're using observational science in that sense. It's got to be historical, and that has a different set of boundaries behind it. So my point here is there are answers to these questions that people will come with to with your kids or with you or with pastors or anybody. So you and by the way you don't have to be unscient or be anti-science mm-hmm. to believe the Bible. Um in fact it's the opposite. So go ahead. Yeah. Well I was just going to say hasn't science disproved the Bible? No, in fact, I mean archaeology um, bi- biological things, anthropologically, it's it's proven the Bible. It hasn't disproven anything. I think um, I'm thinking of, I'm remembering Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a man of faith. He wrote from some research that I did years ago. He wrote more on the book of Daniel and Revelation yes. and Bible prophecy mm-hmm. than he did on scientific discoveries. Isaac Newton. Correct. Somehow we've got to those days in the 1600s to today where somehow you have to remove the Word of God and science. And as you said, science simply means knowledge. And uh, by the way, conscience, our conscience is with science, or oh, with knowledge, which, with yeah. knowledge, right? But I uh, just want to share a little bit about Isaac Newton, which is fascinating to me. I mean, many of our greatest scientific discoveries and advancements were made by Bible-believing Christians, and Isaac Newton was one of them, Uh, Blaise Pascal, Louis Pasteur, and others. And it's fascinating that he said, Isaac Newton, once said, God is one and the same God. God is one and the same God, always and everywhere. He endures and always is present everywhere. Now, he said so much, I don't have time to read the whole quote, but... This is amazing. By the time he was 10 years old, he was studying the book of Daniel. But when the average person today thinks of Isaac Newton, you, you think he's a scientist. He couldn't have believed in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we've come to terms now with, all right, we've got to deal with this now where they've separated the Bible and science. We'll get back to that and talk more about worldview with Pastor Kevin when we come back. But so much more to talk about from God's Word. Uh, we have to recognize that it is true. We're going to talk about why truth matters uh, the Gospel of John, I mean, he lays it out very clearly in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was in the beginning with God. And then if you go to um, John chapter, uh, where is John chapter 6? Where does it say? 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is the Word. He was the Word in the beginning. And he is God. He was with God full of grace and truth. More with Pastor Kevin Minsky. We're going to be talking about worldview and apologetics and getting back to the essentials of the faith and the true Word of God. Understanding that, friends, we need to have an answer when people ask us questions. More coming up in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. 
your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Pastor Kevin Minsky is our guest today. Christ The Rock Church, deep here, Wisconsin. The website is ChristTheRockChurch.org. Um, I want to finish that quote, one of the quotes by Isaac Newton, before we move on. He's talking about God being the same always and everywhere. He said, God endures always and is present everywhere. And by existing always and everywhere, he constitutes duration and space. Tis inconceivable that inanimate brute matter should, without the mediation of something else, which is not material, operate upon and affect other matter without mutual contact. And I could go on, but Isaac Newton is, is just an amazing study in how someone could use the Bible and come up with these scientific discoveries, and, and they almost seem to complement each other, where today they're putting the, ahead the falsehood, they're putting out there, Pastor Kevin, that the Bible contradicts science. So I, I love the work of Newton and many others. And I, so if you can kind of take us to the next uh, point, that would be great. Well, in many cases today, I have people come in and they want to talk to me about these issues in life. And the number one thing I tell them is, okay, well, here's what God's word says. And they, and they stop me and they say, well, you're going to talk to me about the Bible. They say, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't want to hear anything about the Bible. That's religion. And oftentimes what we do today as Christians is we give in to that. We say, okay, I'll, I won't use the Bible, but if you do that, you've already lost the argument because you're trying to deal with people on their terms, and, and they're using a godless mm-hmm. system. So you've already lost the power of the Word of God in that case. We've done that as a church as well. And really, if you think about evolution and all the issues that we're facing today, you said it, I mean, it what postmodernism does is it redefines terms. That's mm-hmm. why all of a sudden the Supreme Court has to decide and redefine what marriage is. Well, why do you have to redefine it? It already had a definition. God gave us that definition in Genesis. Yes. We have to redefine what a woman is. This is basic high school biology. <laughs> you have 23 pair of chromosomes. You have sex chromosomes. You, if you are XY, you are a female. Hello. You, that's, that's science. Trust the science in this case. <laughs> it's an XY chromosome. You're a female. So you see what we do? We trust mm. science when it suits our purposes as, as godly or godlessness. Mm. But in reality, we simply want to use it to justify our own sin nature. That's the real heart of the issue. So again, it's a warfare between mm. God's word versus man's word. So I tell people, no, don't use that Bible. I don't believe in that. I'm not religious. And I say, well, you know what? I do believe the Bible. It is the standard of truth and righteousness. And I make no apologies for that. Amen. That is the standard with which I approach everyone. Yes. Now, I think a lot of us fear doing that because we fear looking ignorant of the Word of God. It's like, well, I don't know how to answer that question. That's fine. You can deal with people, and you can tell them right up front. I may not have all the answers for all your questions, but I will get you answers. Yes. And I'll come back to you later. Because the ultimate goal is to lead people out of darkness into light, to lead them into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There is freedom in his name and his name alone. So as a church, again, it's this Genesis 3 attack. Has God really said, where are we at today? Our era really began in the 1800s, so 19th century. 
You know, in, in the Apostles' Day, they didn't have to deal with things like evolution or questions about, well, that's unscientific. No, but they had to deal with mythologies and mm. the Greek gods. So the Greeks were caught up in Gnosticism mm-hmm. and, and all that. In Martin Luther's day in the 16th century, and he's dealing with a church that had become apostate and corrupt, nails his 95 theses to the castle door in Wittenberg. But today, in a really an interesting way, it began with a pastor, Thomas Chalmers, from the Free Church of Scotland. In the 1850s, he developed this theory, the gap theory. So suddenly you've called the literal seven-day creation into question. Then you get the day-age theory. Well, one day didn't literally mean 24 hours, even though the Bible says, and the evening and the morning were the first day, evening and morning were the second day. Very literal. Mm -hmm. No, you begin putting little chinks in the armor of, has God really said? Okay? And again, it seems insignificant. Well, do I have to believe in a literal seven days to be born again? If you take that out of Genesis 1, then you've already called into question the rest of the Word of God. If I can redefine seven literal days, I can redefine marriage. I can redefine what male-female is, what gender roles are. So it really began in the church. Then Darwin came along and fed right into that with his origin of the species. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff is disprovable if people know. So now, again, we're back into apologetics. How do you defend the faith? What can we do? As a church, so we need to go back and think foundationally. What is our foundation? Is it the is it man's word or is it God's word? And of course, our worldview is God's word stands above everything. And then we need to teach apologetics. You know, it's First Peter three fifteen. We have to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks mm. for the hope that's within us, and yet with meekness and fear. So. Um, Again, we deal with that issues like gender, abortion, climate change. What is life? What is love? What is marriage? And we do it from a biblical perspective. And when you do that, remember, it's like Lazarus. Jesus told the people there when he was about to raise Lazarus, they had to remove the stone, right? You ever think about that in that text? Jesus could have easily whipped his finger across and had that stone removed supernaturally. He was about to raise a guy from the dead. <laughs> Why did he have the people move that stone? It shows us that's part of the role we have in God's work of salvation. We have to give that answer to everyone. We have to provide the gospel. How will they believe unless one is sent? That relates to every issue in life that we're facing today. The beauty is the Bible has answers, but we're forsaking those answers in lieu of the world's answers. Mm -hmm. And then everything falls apart. You have no foundation for the house. I think one of the most important things that, that you shared in this podcast today was the fact that we need to, to remind people, you know, you don't need to believe in this, but this is my, this word of God, the Bible is my standard. This is my ultimate authority. This is the lens through which I see the world. So I'd like to talk to you about what I believe. Would you be okay with that? So if they're a tolerant person, as everybody claims to be, of course they'll be okay with that. But I think we need to have an answer. And, Pastor Kevin, another thing you shared that's important, when you don't know the answer to the question, you can always never be afraid to admit that, you know what, I'm not sure, let me get back to you on that. I think people respect that as opposed to saying, well, the Bible is true, I don't care what you think. <laughs> but that right. was our, that was our mm-hmm. answer for quite a few decades, right? right. Although it's true. Why is it true? Because it is. Right. Well, that's not really truly giving an answer. But I want to go back to Genesis one thirty one because this is what we're going to springboard from. And God saw that all He made. Uh, God saw it all that all that He made, and behold, it was very good. 
And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So it's going day by day. Now, can you give us a little bit of understanding on how some people would think, well, that day might not be 24 hours because in Peter it says a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Yeah. Well, one other interesting point in that verse of Scripture, by the way, is the fact that God saw everything he made was good. Now, if you are evolutionist, you believe in in millions of years, and you've got fossils that are laid down in rock layers all around the earth, you believe then that, that those were there millennia, millions of years even, before Adam and Eve were, were born. Well, there's, there's evidence scientifically in those rock layers where you had instances of brain tumors and cancer and arthritis in the fossil records of the animals. If you believe they predated Adam and Eve, then you have to believe that there was already death in the world before sin. Which means hmm. that's why then people come to me and say, well, if your God is so good, why did he create death? Why did he create all this, this hardship and all these bad things? I don't want to ever believe in a God that would create this thing and then call it good. See, no, that's yeah. not the case. That's why Satan attacks that lie. Hmm. Um, so sin entered yeah. into the world and, and then from sin comes death, right? That's what the Bible says. Again, our worldview is everything God created was holy, was righteous, was perfect. And man, in his selfishness, again, his sensuality, and read that as emotion, he saw the, or she saw the fruit was, was good and all that. So then she gave in to sin. That's what brought death into the world. So you're back, to, again, to Genesis 3.15, the sin curse. Because mm-hmm. you have done this, now here's the effects, the consequence. Um, so, again, we and then we talk about atheism. And you're talking about with the producer at the last break, and he's talking about, you know, this issue of atheism and and I made the point, it is its own religion. Mm-hmm. People don't like to look at it that way. They'll say, don't push your Bible on me. That's just religion. Well, every one of us has preconceptions and beliefs in life. If you believe in no God, that is a religion in and of itself. You know, it's, it's humanistic, but it is still a religion. So you can't use that argument either, saying you just believe in a religion. No, I'm believing in in. God, the creator of all things, who has proven it to us, not only in his word, but again through biology, anthropology, sociology, even through the, the fossil records themselves. And fulfilled prophecy, archaeological, archaeological which evidence. the word itself. Yes, See, it does. People can try to say, mm-hmm. you made the point earlier, it's circular logic. Well, I believe the Bible because it's true, and the Bible's true because I believe it. No, that is not why we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible because it's the only book that claims to be from the Creator God, and in fact is, is written, it's outside of time. And how does God validate that? He writes history in advance. We call it prophecy. No other quote-unquote holy book contains prophecy and declares itself to be from outside of time like that. Mm. We are all created beings. We are fixed in time and space. Only the one who's outside of time could could construct this Bible and, and, and then give it to man and then validate it himself from outside of time. There is definitely a willful ignorance that is involved when you don't want to look at yeah. the life of Jesus and fulfilled prophecies for the Messiah. John 1. I know. Right? The light. He was the light, but men loved darkness Mm. rather than light. We're back to the the wickedness of men's heart, like Jeremiah would say. That's what's Mm -hmm. so insidious about this. Satan knows that we want to live for our flesh. We want to live for pleasure. 
and he'll provide all of that for us mm-hmm. all the way to the grave. And by the way, if you do want to live for self, uh, the, loving this world and living for yourself and you're an atheist, you don't believe in God, guess who your God is, small g? You. The people want to be their own God. That is a religious belief. Yes, yeah, secular humanism. Yeah. yeah. And we can solve all of, all of our own problems, and, you know, yeah. how is that working out? <laughs> Not well, if you look at the world today. So, uh, Pastor Kevin, did you want to move on to some more specifics? I know you mentioned uh, life in the womb. You mentioned environmentalism. I'm still stuck in Genesis 1, going back a few verses before the end, where you know, God created man in his own image. It's hard to misunderstand these verses, friends. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then if you think of people having all these surgeries, gender reassignment, because you can't, you can't reassign what God designed, right? That's just a made-up word. You can assign whatever. Be- God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You cannot procreate if you remove sexual organs. Yeah, you can just redefine what procreation is, I guess, because today they'll, and they'll say that men men can now bear children, things like that, which is ridiculous on its face biologically. So again, if we're going to be truly scientific about things, you you cannot make that statement with a straight face. Um, however, again, we get into these issues that are all covered in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis. God defined it for us because he w- he knew where we would eventually end up in this current day and age in 2022. So now we have a choice to make. Either, again, we're standing on man's word or we're standing on God's word. Can we talk about environmentalism? Because that's something that might be confusing because we are to be responsible and to take care of what we've been given, well, dominion over, if you want to use that word, dominion. Um, but it doesn't mean to control. It doesn't mean that, that the earth and created things are more valuable than 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 human beings, and that's what the natural progression of the environmental movement, the, the activists will say, well, we've got to save the planet. Population is a problem. We've got to kill off mankind because man is the problem. We've got to save the earth, right? We've got to clean it up. So how would you address some of these issues that we've been hearing about, all this climate change and all that? Yeah, this, this can get a little subtle in the spiritual life, but it's critical, I think, to our understanding of who we really are in God's created order. Um, so we're talking about Satan as our ultimate adversary. A spirit being. There is a supernatural war going on. Remember, the angels were created as ministering spirits to really serve us, mankind, the created beings. But we're the only one of only part of God's creation created in his image. We have free will. We have the ability to reason. Mm-hmm. So the animal kingdom is subservient to man. The physical creation is subservient to man. Satan hates us because yeah. we are created in the image of God and we're redeemable. Mm-hmm. So what does he want to do? He wants to have us deny our own standing, our own created in God's likeness, choose sin, and end up living in an alleyway with a needle in my arm, or running around with people indiscriminately, having sex to the point where I destroy myself. He wants that image of God in me destroyed, and he does it through sin. So I'm always conscious of that in my life. Am I really living up to who God has created me to be? Am I reflecting that standard of Christ? So, yes, we're, you know, Genesis 1.26, we're to have dominion over the earth, not worship the created thing. So I love to go to Romans, Romans chapter one. 1. Yes. Because yes. it really addresses that issue. You know, and that's a subtle one as well. The physical creation itself bears witness to the fact that there is a God. But that that's great as far as it goes. 
All that should do then is instill in us the need to find out how we can get to him. How do we enter into a relationship with him? And Mm. that, of course, only comes through Jesus Christ. And then that's back to our job, sharing the gospel. Romans 1, um, they worshiped created things over the creator. I just I just kind of paraphrase that. And but, because of that, yep. God gave him over to yes. a depraved mind. Yes, I'm looking for the Let's actual verse. Deeper deeper. I just paraphrase that, Pastor Kevin. That What verse is that, Romans 1? Start, um, start in verse 16 okay, and, well, okay. and, and go on from there because okay. you get the full context. Okay, we've got a couple minutes before we've got to wrap up this segment, so I'll just read from Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Then it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And here it is, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, creation. So people are without excuse. And then it says, let's see, I'm looking for, uh, well, yep, God gave them over. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. That's verse 25 in Romans chapter 1. So when people are taking this environmental movement or activism to extremes, this is what they are doing. They are worshipping created things and even nature above the Creator. And then they're, when they are saying, well, if nature must be elevated then man is the problem if there is an issue with the planet. So more with Pastor Kevin Minsky coming up next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Community Church in De Pere, Wisconsin. Uh, I want to briefly read um, Barna's definition of a biblical worldview. Believing that moral absolutes exist, the source of of truth is the Bible. The Bible is accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Salvation is by grace alone. Jesus lived a sinless life. Believers have a duty to witness. Satan is real and not just symbolic. God is the all-knowing, all-powerful maker of the universe who still rules that creation Today, These are some of the essentials of a biblical worldview. Pastor Kevin, you've got a couple of bullet points. Maybe we can go rapid fire through them because we're down to the last segment here. Yeah, I just want people to know in general that there are answers to all of these issues in life, and all of the answers come from God's Word, the Bible. We don't have to fear that you know we, we're anti-science or we don't have answers for people that question. By the way, atheism does not grant people freedom from the tyranny of religion. Hmm. It simply robs people of meaning. If you believe there is no God, there is no higher purpose for you, you're not a created being, you're random chance over millions of years, and anything can go, you don't have a specific purpose in this life. Mm. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're getting this issue of life. You know, that's the one thing that evolutionists still cannot answer. Well, there's a number of things they can't answer, but the one thing is DNA. 
DNA is based <laughs> on information, and information cannot evolve, and it certainly can't originate from nothing. That is one thing they cannot answer. So we talk about a woman's body. You know, this is my body, my rights, okay? Well, when a child is conceived, you have a DNA comp, you know, combination from the mother and the father that each have unique information that are inputted, some from the mother, some from the father. But in this miracle of creation, that fetus also has unique information separate from the mother and the father. You're the only one in that womb in the entire history of creation to have that DNA structure. Hmm. That itself is a miracle. No one else in the world has ever existed like you. Psalm 139 puts it like this. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And by the way, no new genetic information is added once that once that child begins to grow in the womb after fertilization. So when we say my body, my choice, no. There is a, a another life involved, let alone the life of the father. It, you know, what is his decision in that created life? But the fetus itself is a unique life. It is totally separate from the mother in that sense of genetic information. It is attached to the mother, takes physical life from her and grows, but genetically it's different. So in fact, God even had to build in an anti-rejection drug yeah. or, or, or into the uterus of the mother That's so, because it's foreign tissue, and it would normally reject that fetus mm. like it does if you get a transplant for a kidney or whatever. If you take anti-rejection drugs, you don't do that with a fetus. So there are so many clues that I don't even call them clues. I think they're overt examples where God is telling us. Evidence. Evidence. Yeah. You know, Paul said in Galatians 1.15 that <clears throat> God... The God who set me apart from my mother's womb. Mm. God had a call on Paul when he was in that womb yet. Yeah. Uh, the Lord called me from the womb, Isaiah said in Isaiah 49, 1. Uh, and then in Jeremiah 1, 3, before I was born, Jeremiah says, you consecrated me and appointed me a prophet. God has a purpose and a plan for each individual living thing in this world. And we need to get away from this fact that, you know, this is just like a stray dog or an extra cat. I can just euthanize it. I can just get rid of it. No, mm. that is not what a fetus is. That is not what an infant is. Yeah. And people like to say, and I, I disagree a little bit, uh, you know, life begins at conception. I say life began in eternity past because God's omniscient. He knew you before you were even knit and formed in your mother's womb. And that goes back to Psalm 139. Wow. That's just the issue of life. Okay. <laughs> Biblically, how we deal with that climate. We talked about a little bit abortion. You're created in God's own image. We're not animals. God also says, do not murder. Now they try to redefine what a fetal heartbeat is. You see, you can't just take science for what it is because now science validates the Word of God. So we've got to redefine. That's not really a heartbeat. Okay, fine. You get into the issue of marriage. Um, that's clearly dealt with in Genesis chapter 2. God created the male and female, brought them together. Then the man leaves his mother and father, cleaves unto his wife. Jesus picked up that same theme again in the Gospels. Have you not read yes. where it says, and God created him male and female, brought them together? Paul in, in Ephesians talks about the same thing in chapter 5. Gender. We talked a little bit about that. Genesis one twenty-seven, five two. 5-2. Mm -hmm. Don't you know that God created the male and female? Jesus also validated that, by the way, in Matthew 19.4. Have you mm -hmm. not read God created the male and female? We talked about the chromosomes. So this is all very scientific, folks. You can trust <laughs> the science on this, but more importantly, you can trust the eternal and abiding word of God with this. Uh, we talk about the major doctrines covered just in the beginning of Genesis, the origin of sin. People always want to come and say, why is there so much suffering and death if God is such a good God? 
Yeah, that isn't because God created that. That's because of our disobedience and our sin. So how do we deal with sin then? And we get to the issue of Jesus and the cross. Where did death enter in? Death entered because of sin. We talk about Jesus, who is to be the last Adam. We talk about the seven-day week. I love talking to the professors over at the local college because they always get mad. You talk about, I understand that where we get our year from, it's the solar, uh, the rotation of the earth around the sun. I know where we get our month from. That's the rotation around the, the lunar calendar, the, the moon. How come we have a seven-day week? And they just silence, just like that. <laughs> because there, it's Genesis. God created the earth in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. And I believe from Daniel, that's why Antichrist is going to try to make alterations in times and seasons. But Mm. that's a whole other topic for another day. (laughs) Why do we wear clothes, David? Uh, That's covered in Genesis. Yeah, because because God gave Adam and Eve the skins of animals. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to walk around today, and I want you to think about that. Why are you wearing clothes today? Well, because we're sinners, and we have to have our unrighteousness covered. We're only covered by the blood of Christ, however, and that's only by the shedding of blood. Mm. Why do we work? That's also covered in Genesis. We're to subdue the earth. We're to work, and then we reap the harvest from the earth. gives us meaning and purpose as well. All these things are, are covered in Genesis. Yes. Where did death come in? Um, again, we covered that a little bit earlier. Fossils, uh, that's all addressed, which we clearly do not have time. That's a whole program by itself. The fossil record validates that there was a global universal flood. It doesn't, you know... It doesn't teach the opposite of that. It doesn't say billions of years. And by so, the way, why did the, why did so many uh, on the well? There were so many people that tried to fake the fossils from yes. y- you know monkey from Lucy wasn't Lucy yeah. one Pilt, of them Piltdown Pilt Man, Man in Lucy. England yeah. Well, even the scientific journals just last week there was a big story about how over five hundred scientific journals are about to be rescinded that have been published in the last ten years because they were proved false. What happens in the scientific community is scientists validate one another. It's called peer review. Mm. So if I write a scientific uh, paper and then I send it to my buddy who's a scientist over in some other city and he just says, yeah, that sounds good. I'll validate that. So I'm affirming this finding. Well, when they really go back and replicate the science, observable science, they found out that a lot of the stuff was just bogus. It was just supposition which could not be replicated in a lab, which means it is not it's not fact. It's simply theory, like mm. the theory of uh, evolution. Which they teach in schools not necessarily as a theory. Not anymore. Yeah. They've redefined that now. Yeah. See, when I was growing up in public school, it was still theory. Uh, and, and racism by, is oh, a – Go ahead. Well, racism is very applicable, I think, today in our culture. Again, clearly covered at the Tower of Babel. God did not divide people based on race. There is only one race, people. It's the human race. We're all of one blood. That's been proven Mm. genetically and also through biology now. God separated by skin color, but not by race. Well, what do you mean by skin color? The, The amount of melanin in our skin. So clearly people migrated to certain parts of the earth after. So, okay, again, I don't want it. There's answers for all these issues that people want to bring. Um, and in Christ, Genesis three, I mean uh, Galatians chapter three, uh, there is neither new, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We are all one. So there's not many races. We are all one in Christ. So spiritually, we are united. Yeah, clearly in the uh, spiritual realm, we're all one. But even mm-hmm. biologically, there's no difference in the blood. Mm-hmm. You know, be- between someone you would call dark skinned other than the melanin. You have you know the different genetic markers that create a, a deeper skin color, and yet same humanity. And, and that's, again, just another lie from the enemy who tries to divide. So, 
So I think, uh, Pastor, what, what we need to take away from this is we do have answers in the Word of God, and we do need to pray for wisdom and how to respond to people. Maybe it's someone in your family that you think is so hardened they could never come to the truth. Well, maybe uh, there's hope for, for that person yet. You don't need to have all the answers, but you do need to be able to respond with confidence in the, in the truth of the Word of God. Yes, and so I think that's very important. And again, I'm a pastor, so I'm, I'm going to speak to the other pastors that, that may be listening or, or may not. Maybe your folks are, and they'll share it with you. But again, our mandate is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, Ephesians yes. chapter 4. Yes. We need to be teaching apologetics in our churches. We should not be shying away from these cultural issues, certainly not from these biblical issues. We need to be instructing God's people in how we are to dress them. I, I like to use Jesus' method. He would always question the Pharisees, and he would ask them questions for which they had no answers uh, for various reasons. Number one, just to humble them a little bit, remind them that they don't really know all things, that they're not the source of all truth. But the Bible, again, you know, I, lo- I always love Second Corinthians thirteen eight, and I think about, you know, the Q90 a lot when I read that verse. We can do nothing against the truth but only for the truth. How is that possible? Well, because there is only one truth, and it is God's established truth. As much as the world wants to try to redefine terms and re- even do away with truth itself, you know, moral moral relativism, there is really no truth, and that's postmodernism. You know, mm-hmm. your truth is yours, mine is mine. No, God's truth is truth. Everything else is man's word versus God's word. There's so much more that we could be talking about today, but I think we set a good, um, a good, I, I think, pace here for getting back to the Bible as our authority, our standard, that is the truth, and getting back to the beginning of the Bible and God's Word in Genesis, one, particularly 1 through 11. And as I told you before the podcast, I think mm-hmm. of Ken Ham, and he's, oh, I call it harping on that, but he is absolutely right, and we've got to get back to the importance of that foundation. And then he has those graphics that show that once you compromise on Genesis 1 through 11, you get the, the foundation stones crumbling a little bit. And now these flags, yes. worldview, these worldly flags pop up when you mm-hmm. can have abortion and gay marriage and environmentalism and everything else that goes against the truth. Pastor, any closing thoughts? Well, a lot of closing thoughts. Um, however, <laughs> in a minute, <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, be good Bereans out there. You know, Acts seventeen eleven. They search the scriptures uh, daily to see whether the things Paul was teaching were actually so. But they also received his word with all readiness of mind. Don't disengage mm. your mind at the door. You know, mm. there's no such thing as blind faith. I'm constantly encouraging or exhorting, I should say, our folks, be critical thinkers. And I don't mean negative. I mean be critical. Examine everything by the word of God, including especially what I say. So 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There is truth out there, and there is only one truth, and it's God's established truth. Amen. And 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. And uh, for training in righteousness and all these other things, for teaching, reproof, correction. Yeah. So again, you know, any any worldview that you take, it's got to be built around four things. Origin. Where did you come from? Where did this entire creation come from? We know from Genesis where it did. What is your purpose? Number two, you're created in God's image. There's no one like you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. You are unique. That will get into all these issues of suicide, drug abuse, alcoholism. People have no purpose, no meaning apart mm. from God. 
And then third, morality. Where did our morality come from? Did it just evolve? You get into that whole issue. And then fourth, so the worldview is on origin, image, uh, evolution of morality, and then our destiny. Mm. Look, we are all eternal beings. The only question is where will you spend it? Amen. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Uh, the Bible has answers for all these things. Man can only create or think and come up with something and guess at all these things. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Pastor Kevin, thank you. Uh, if people have questions, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can call the church at Christ the Rock to Pier. Uh, and the website I gave out the, earlier. Yep. yep. And yep, check the website as well. Yep, ChristTheRockChurch.org. Thank you, brother. It was always a blessing to have you in studio. Thank you, David. Appreciate the opportunity. Yep, we will see you soon. Uh, Friends, I just want to share who's coming up um, next, well, tomorrow. But first, I want to mention next week is our fundraiser. Next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we take a break from all programming from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. And we have a fundraiser for the next six months of this ministry. We are raising money, donations, whatever you can provide, or if you can't uh, offer anything financial, you can pray. You can always pray. And we've been doing this since 1994, at least the radio station, Q90FM, Stand Up For The Truth, since 2010. So God is faithful. He is our provider, and uh, he will continue, Lord willing, and and uh, make it happen. So thank you guys. Tomorrow, Bill Federer, we are replaying my interview with him from a few months ago. He's uh, an amazing historian. Also, Thursday, Julaine Appling will be back with us. We're going to get an update. Five months now, have there been any arrests of those who firebombed her offices in Madison, Wisconsin, a pro-life center there? And there's many across the country, over 100 now, that have been bombed or vandalized. No arrests that we know of. Andy Woods, doctor, pastor, he'll be with us on Friday. Thanks, guys, for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.